Welcome to the Builders Podcast, an audio production of the Lawrenson Center for Faith and Work at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. Every other week, we feature the story of a builder, someone who has been involved in putting together an organization, business, or movement that makes this world a better and more trustworthy place. We ask them to tell that story, share some of their insights, and connect their project to a larger sense of vocation and purpose in this world. I'm your host, Michael Chan, director of the Lawrenson Center at Concordia College. This entire year, the Lawrenson Center is exploring the question, how do we build a more trustworthy world? To learn more about this theme and our upcoming events and opportunities, click the links below. Today's conversation is going to be a little bit different than other ones we've had in the past, in part because of its urgency and its uh, kind of importance in the moment. The conversation today is with Mark J. Lindquist of Fargo, North Dakota. Mark has some really strong connections to Concordia College, as you'll hear, but he has just a remarkable life um, uh, 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 life and a set of experiences that really provide him with a a rich and nuanced perspective on topics such as um, uh, freedom and uh, human displacement and war. He is himself a United States Air Force veteran and, uh, and, and now does a remarkable work in the area of, um, of uh, public speaking and inspirational speaking. Uh, he is an incredible vocalist. Uh, which you can see uh, in his website, markjlindquist.com. But most importantly, and what we'll focus on in this conversation, is the uh, work that he's been doing since March of 22, uh, uh, directing a a humanitarian mission to Ukraine to deliver non-lethal aid to Ukrainians. It's a remarkable story. He is, as you'll see in the conversation, we were talking uh, a short distance from Times Square. He was in Times Square doing a kind of winter, sleep um, uh, sleep out uh, to draw attention to the of course cold winter in uh, that's happening right now in Ukraine under conditions of war and so I think you'll, you all will find this conversation to be um, uh, moving troubling in some ways but moving and Mark will share with us some really specific ways in which uh, this community this digital community can uh, support the work that he's doing um, in uh, on behalf of Ukrainians and now we'll turn to the conversation. Thanks and enjoy. Mark Lindquist, welcome to the conversation. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for having me, sir. Mark, we why don't we start with where you're at literally, <laughs> physically? <laughs> where where are you, Mark, and what are you doing? Because I'll sh- I can say one thing. You are not in Fargo, my friend. <laughs> no, no, no. I am blocks away from, uh, actually half a block away from Times Square in New York City. And so I've been out here for the past few days just doing a PR campaign making contacts at the network, seeing if they can uh, allow us to tell our story. Yeah. And what is that story? Well, it's a story of how to help in Ukraine. You know, I think that this, you know, war that everybody's paying attention to and and certainly should be aware of, um, you know, the past 10 months, people have maybe been felt compelled to help, want to help, see the tragedies on their screens and say, gosh, there's got to be something we can do. But I think most Americans, if I'm reading the pulse of it correctly, they don't know how to help Hmm. because I mean, you tell me how to help some guy in the Dunbar's lane in a trench, because how would how would you know what he needs? How would you know how to get it there? How would you know who to deliver to? Same with somebody, a grandma in an apartment in Kiev, right? How would you know how to help? And so I think the key is we know how to help. 
there's a team of hundreds of veterans that have been American veterans that have been roaming around that war zone for 10 months, solving problems, figuring out how to get stuff in the country. In addition to thousands of Western volunteers partnered with local Ukrainians. And we've solved problems, uh, mainly supply chain problems for the past 10 months. Now, the news that I'm here to spread is twofold. Number one, that there is a way to help. So no longer is there an excuse that we don't know how, right? Because American veterans will literally hand deliver your stuff out to the Donbass. Number two, the success story of the Fargo-Moorhead community and surrounding area, out extending 200 miles, have really rallied for the Ukrainians once they were empowered with the knowledge of how to help. Very basically, it's winter in Ukraine. Uh, Concordia College is about the same latitude as the Donbass, right? Exactly the same latitude as International Falls. And so, you know, it's cold out there. This is the same place where the death marches happened between Auschwitz and, and Dachau and same part of the world. And so uh, I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that my friends are in trenches and in apartments freezing with no power. And so the community rallied and we got $100,000 of donated winter weather gear. We collected $30,000 to ship it over the ocean. And we also got a hold uh, additionally of 100,000 winter coats sitting in a warehouse in Fargo ready to be shipped over. So wow. that's what we're out spreading the word about. Mark, that's incredible. And you mentioned Concordia. You are yourself a graduate. Uh, of- I did not graduate. I, oh, you did? I didn't go to enough classes. <laughs> I, I, I only I only went made it to 5 p.m. choir. <laughs> well, let's I'll, let me restate it. I'll say, Mark, you have some connections to Concordia College. Yes. And, and we still want to claim you as our own. Well, that's very generous of you. No, I went to Concordia College in 1999 on a music scholarship and actually a uh, what they call the Broader Horizons Minority Scholarship at the time. And so was there at Erickson Hall and, uh, you know, uh, Knudsen Center and, and sang in, in the music building there and uh, only spent one year at Concordia, then took off for AmeriCorps to serve uh, in that program. Yeah. And and uh, your your whole life, really, Mark, has been marked by service. You are yourself an Air Force veteran, I think. Yes, sir. And have done and continue to do work in support of veterans, and now obviously are you know doing work for uh, folks in the war zone in in Ukraine. And just talk a little bit about how all of this work connects to your own sense of responsibility to this world, because it's obvious that you have a really deep sense of responsibility to the people in this world and in your communities. I think, of course, it comes from parents and, and upbringing in the community of Ortonville, Minnesota, where I was raised. I was adopted out of an orphanage in Seoul, South Korea in 1982. Uh, I was eight months old and brought to Ortonville, Minnesota, raised on a farm out there. And that community just embraced me. Small town of 2,000 people. I was one of the very few minorities, racial minorities in the, this, the town. And, you know, it could have gone a lot of different ways for me being a kid from Korea in, in uh, Swedish, Norwegian, German town of Ortonville. But let me tell you, the spotlight has to be shined on the residents of Ortonville who just treated me like one of their own and really embraced me and allowed me to shine and be who I am. The service bug really came from members of the community of Ortonville who ushered in an era of service in my life in high school. But then, of course, my dad was in the Peace Corps in the late 60s and 70s. And so he taught me how to serve. And he would tell stories uh, about, you know, teaching villagers how to farm and do agriculture in, in a more efficient manner in Malaysia back in the 60s and 70s. And so it's kind of always been part of our family history. It's, that's a remarkable story, Mark. I didn't know the adoption element of it. My sister is also adopted Korean. Yeah. Yeah. How and, lucky uh, is that, right? 
it's it's amazing. I'm mean, amazing for our family, amazing, you know, for for her and where and where she's at. And and there, there's just so many of these stories of of adoption where that kind of crossing of cultures really produces remarkable people like yourself. That's very kind. I just I always think, you know, for your your you said it was your sister, sister. right? <clears throat> yeah, your sister and and myself. I come to find out later in my life, uh, partnering with a great nonprofit called Unseen uh, in Fargo. <clears throat> and Fan, the executive director, was telling me because he works with you know, these children around the world. He says, Mark, you probably wouldn't be alive today. Uh, I was in my 30s at the time. Had you not been adopted out of that orphanage? You know, it's just the life expectancy for folks that don't have a support system is not great. And so further evidence and proof that I should be grateful for the life I've been given in America. Mark, talk a little bit about the story of how you got involved in Ukraine and and just what what led up to that? What was the initial impetus that moved you to build this incredible, really pop-up kind of organization around a conflict that is affecting yeah. so many people? If you really want to go back to the origins, I mean, it probably is that adoption, right? Because now you get to live a life filled with freedom. I sung the national anthem at the Friday night football games yeah. in Ortonville and became the kid who was, you know, proud of America and being American. That leads me to, you know, think thoughts of patriotism and think thoughts of, of independence, freedom, read the Constitution, the Declaration and the founding documents. And it's just something nerdy I've always loved, you know, to, to dive into. And, you know, that leads to, to service to country in AmeriCorps, leads to service to country in the Air Force. Well, when you raise your right hand to sign your life away for Uncle Sam and the, the principles of freedom, of course, you read the Constitution and you, want, you, you begin to understand exactly what you're putting your life on the line for. And so... That was probably the seed that germinated 15 years later uh, when Ukraine was invaded. That's the same principles of freedom that we signed up to fight for, right? And I realized at age 40, something really interesting about like myself and my life journey, which is it wasn't only my own country uh, that led me to feel compelled to serve and act and, and defend its freedom. Now, it wasn't just American citizens, but also human beings in general who are under the threat of, of uh, um, you know, brutal dictators and, and losing their freedom. And so what an enlightening moment for me to, real, to feel that call, right? To feel that, that tug again, to say, you know, you got to go. You, you, you have to show up and, and be a, a, the best service that you possibly can be. And, it, you know, let's, let's, let's tie Concordia College into this. They're carved in granite over by the Knudsen Center is that, you know, wonderful statement that we're going to go and send out into the world. Brilliant, educated, I'm paraphrasing now, I can't, I can't quote it directly. I used to be able to, <laughs> you know, young men and women dedicated to Christian life. Right. Well, did you know that Ukraine is 5% more Christian by percentage than America? Hmm. You know, they're 67%, we're 62 there's a great Orthodox tradition over there. And so, so you know, in a way, uh, that's our Christian brothers and sisters over there, human beings just like us who don't deserve to die by a missile, right? And so it was that calling a service that, um, you know, it's kind of been a common thread through my, throughout my whole life. So when, when this idea came to your mind that, hey, you feel empowered to go do something, who was the first person you told that to? Like, when, when did it first, like, get spoken into the world? <laughs> I'm wondering about. Right, because... It was just an idea in my head in March of 2022 that, hmm, what if I went over there? Because you're watching YouTube videos of guys that yeah. go over there with military service in their background, and you realize maybe you could go do it too. I first told a dear friend of mine, best friend uh, in Moorhead, could, to kind of test the waters, right? I wanted to kind of see what friends and family and, and you know, close 
relationships felt about that. And after I told my friend Nate, it felt good in my spirit, in my soul, right? And then uh, I went and drove down to Ortonville the next day and sat at my mom and dad's kitchen wow. table and told them what was going on. And so mom's response was, well, of course you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's just been, um, you know, a, 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 a wonderful and, and I've, been, I've felt very supported by my friends and family uh, to do something that they know I was feeling called to do. Yeah. You know, this podcast that we're on right now is called Builders, and we really try to bring in people who are building, have built things, and are sort of in the process of doing that, and, and to just get a sense of what that was like to be in the process of building. And I think that that moment when a thing uh, gets taken out of one's own personal headspace and placed into the world is a really yeah. important moment of like discernment, yes. right? We might call because, you know, sometimes we speak that out into the world and it falls flat and, and, and we think, oh, well, not only falls flat with the person hearing me, but also even within me, it doesn't seem the same. Right. But other oh. times it resonates like with you. <laughs> I think that's so wise what you just said, because, you know, sometimes it is a feeling. Sometimes it, it is a gut feeling, right? As to what you should do next with your life. Right. And so for me, it was it was a very deliberate process to try to decide to enlist in the United States military and also decide to enlist in the Ukrainian army and defend a foreign country. Now, I did not get chosen for enlistment. Uh, I don't have combat experience, but certainly there was a chance that the Ukrainian army would have taken me. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, you had to take that very seriously. And so through that deliberative process at a certain point, yes, you speak it into the world, right? It, it, everything that exists in the world was an idea in somebody's head at one time, right? And then eventually you have to take action to back that up. And if you're, I think, a good leader, you are constantly checking in with yourself to see, all right, am I still on the right track? Because if you're married to an idea, that can get people into trouble sometimes. <laughs> Certainly you could argue for the opposite point that sometimes, you know, yeah. the stubborn folks win. But in this instance, um, I had I not felt good about it when I spoke it into existence, uh, you know, maybe I would have pulled the plug because I'm an Air Force weenie who sat at a desk who doesn't have any any business out there in a trench pointing weapons at Russians. But I was willing, right? And I figured that with my American military training, best on earth, uh, what is what is our greatest strength? Our ability to adapt and overcome. And so with that mindset and mentality, I knew that I could go into this situation and, and survive and, and maybe even thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When will you be in uh, Ukraine again? Are you able to say? Yeah, the plan is uh, early February to go back and really assess the needs of what uh, uh, is needed for the spring. Because now we will have seen, since I went over in late March, uh, all four seasons of, of uh, war uh, and know what is needed in this war zone. And so that will you know, kind of round out, uh, not that I'll stop going to Ukraine, but my role now is as a leader of the volunteer group that we have, I'm the spokesperson, I'm the fundraiser, I'm the face, right? And so I'll spend a lot of time back in America rallying citizens to support what we're doing over there. Well, and that makes a lot of sense, right? You are a front man in many ways. Not not only of you know yeah. sort of big band music, but 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 just of you know of speaking and getting <laughs> ideas in front of people. So I mean, it makes yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Are there like any pressing needs that you would want to say like, okay, this mainly Concordia audience, I want you to hear about this specific need that you could potentially meet or some way you can contribute? 
Certainly there are, but I, I don't want to judge the heart of the donor donating public, right? Because I don't know what they're passionate about. And so really in a war zone, that's the second largest refugee crisis since World War II, 16 million people not living at home, right? I mean, that'd be double the size of New York City of people not living at home. 8 million people outside the country, 8 million people in the country. So there's, there's everything under the sun you could help, right? So you can help food missions. We've got people that go to liberated villages and deliver food. You could deliver, you could support, um, you know, gas cards for guys that do evacuations up to one kilometer away from the Russian lines. You could support housing for people that don't have a place to sleep because uh, they're, they're all just got blown up. <clears throat> you know, you could support legal services for people trying to negotiate the immigration services, medical supplies, combat medical supplies, tourniquets. And now most recently, we've been doing winter weather gear um, because of the cold. I think that one of the most humane things that one could do in this situation is provide warmth for people, right? And for us hardy Midwesterners, that's something relatable. And so, uh, so wonderful to see our community respond to that latest mission of providing warm weather gear for these folks that don't have power and it's 20 degrees at night. Yeah, is there a certain website you could point people toward, Mark? Or yeah, it's Mark go to your website. Yeah. yeah, my website for those different categories. Yes, markjlinquist.com. Yeah. Well, and you had, you know, you had mentioned that the the refugee crisis there is the second largest since World War II. Of course, the first had to do with Syria and the Middle East, and and I, I think if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, and so yeah. what, what the reason I bring that up is because these two major crises have happened within a decade of one. Right. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable moment of in history of of human displacement, and. Yes. I think that that is a an experience that so many people in Fargo-Moorhead have in their own history, right? They yeah. they have been relocated or they relocated by choice, but nonetheless, like it's hard to uproot and go somewhere else. And so yeah. part of the reason why I say that is just to say, look, we, we live in a moment that is calling us toward compassion and solidarity, yeah. especially toward those who are being displaced. And I think you touched on something there that I think is... Uh, it is a timely moment. You, know, you look at the world today, especially if you're living life through the internet, it looks like a place that's burning to the ground, right? You know, there's a lot of different evidence for us being uh, at each other's throats, politically or ideologically, et cetera, right? Um, and I have a lot of friends that are in that boat, you know, kind of in a, in, a, in a realm of despair, maybe, right? About the future of the country or the world. I think that this is the unifying cause of our generation, right? We're Americans. We're flag-waving, freedom-loving, red-blooded Americans who are as proud to be the leader of the free world as anybody, right? And so this is a cause of freedom. I think it's very basic to me when I look at the situation and say, well, if anybody is going to be a champion for Ukraine, it's got to be the American people, right? Of the 1.6 billion people on planet Earth, of the 8 billion that exist, there's only 1.6 billion that live a Western or considered free life that we would describe as having some form of democracy. Well, there's 331 million people in America. We have to be on the side of freedom. For people right and so i think if we were just to point the cameras in the direction of the leaders like the veterans that i work with out in ukraine and the civilian volunteers who have taken great risks to deliver aid to the front lines if you just point the camera at those people i think the country might learn some lessons about how to be great again right mm -hmm. why would we think that the greatest generation is something of the past we could be the next greatest generation we just have to act like they did yeah, yeah. No, thanks, Mark. I, I didn't ask you this ahead of time, but I wonder: are the is there a story or two that really sticks out to you as something that uh, uh, just really beautiful or meaningful or blessed that has come out of this work that you're doing? 
you know, I, I talk about the conflict in the world and maybe people's state of mind about the future of the world or state of it. I wish that we could in America or around the world duplicate the spirits of the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. Meaning what I see over there is a society that has been uh, back against the wall. You, you're fighting against the second most powerful military on earth with almost probably unlimited resources to, to you know, resupply. So I see Ukrainians banding together, uh, all hands on deck, forgetting their differences, forgetting their family lineage, forgetting East versus West in Ukraine, forgetting, you know, social status or economic status, and just pouring everything they have into supporting their fellow freedom fighters. And I think that we would do well to study that. Right. I think we would do well to label the Ukrainian people as maybe the most influential generation of our time, because look at what they're doing. They're learning to work together as a society. American society would do well to figure out how to do that. And so I think one of the reasons why we refer to the greatest generation as such is because they learned to work together toward a common goal. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing to see. But it's an opportunity that maybe doesn't come along, but once in a generation. And so when I see narratives that maybe leave the door open to be pro-Putin, when I see narratives that, that talk about, have talking points like, why are we helping there when we need so much help here? Um, you know, not to get political, but one of the leaders of our country once said, you could triple our problems, we'd still be better than everybody else on earth, right? <laughs> and that's my thought, is that uh, certainly we should take inventory and we should understand that if you're living in the Dunbas and making $200 a month U.S., and then you get called to the trenches and there's not enough supply or gear to keep you alive out there. You go to the trench with a hoodie and a baseball cap when you should have thousand dollar body armor and a five hundred dollar helmet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we in America, I mean, Times Square, look at the excess we have. Right. It's not like we can't afford. And as I walk around the shelves in stores in America, I see everything my guys need out there sitting on shelves in America. I've been saying it for months. We have enough supply on planet Earth to help these people. It's just sitting in the wrong spot on the planet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Mark, I, I know you're really busy <laughs> advocating and, and uh, speaking out. And so I'm just so grateful to uh, to have this conversation with you. And, you know, we, we spent so much time talking about your great work in in and on behalf of Ukrainians, we didn't really get a chance to talk about some of the other amazing projects you have around music. I mean, it's just, if people should go to your website and just listen to some of the music that you do and some of the national anthem singing that you've done, just incredible. Some of the mo- motivational speaking you've done uh, really across the the country and in places as you know high as, as corporate America, all the way down to sort of schools and, and that kind yeah. of level. And it's just so profoundly inspirational and so maybe at another point we'll be able to talk about that but i you know given the moment and given the urgency of things right now it seemed best to focus on your work for ukraine thank you for that yes um you know i can't do these things alone i i can only shout you know uh, (laughs) i I shout as loud as i can but you only have a certain reach right and so certainly people telling the story about the uh, the people who deserve our help is uh, appreciated and my thanks to you on behalf of the ukrainians that i serve Thanks, Mark, so much for your time. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Builder's Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. And if you'd like to learn more about the Lawrenson Center, click the links below for additional information.